Welcome to another edition of The Comedian's Table here on 93.1 CFISFM. I'm your host, Brian Major. The Comedian's Table, for those of you unaware, every comedy venue should or does have a venue set, a table set aside for the comedians for us to sit around, hang out, chill, relax, gossip, catch up, etc. And that's what this is. A bunch of comedians sitting around a table doing exactly that. Tonight, my guests are... Supposed to be Kylie Lewis Holt. Shannon Street. Sam Bettison. She said she's on her way. Cool. Um, so, yeah, we were just talking about Alex McKenzie renting out the CN Center. Mm-hmm. 50000 bucks For one night. One night. Tickets, That's tickets, a tickets, lot of schmeckles. Tickets are going for 50 bucks. So to not even break even, because he's still got to pay the comedians. You sell 1,000 tickets. Yeah, minimum. And, well, 1500 if you want to do... Uh, yeah, pay the comedians and everything too. I'm sure he will though. Like that venue seats what three thousand, three thousand I think four five thousand. I don't uh-huh. know. Seats a lot of people. I know I that mean, much. That's a lot of people, especially because they're going to probably be using the smaller stage so they can get people all the way through. Yeah. But do you want that? Like we were talking about how in a smaller venue. No, 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 no. Like, well, I mean, for venue goals, that's pretty cool. But like, would you want to do the stage all the way back or have it be more intimate? Like I would do max 3000. I mean, now that we know how many people you probably need to sell tickets to, to like make a profit. But do shows really make a profit or is it about getting your name out there and like selling and other things? I feel like it makes a profit. Yeah. I feel like the comedians go home with a pretty good chunk of change. I would hope so. Especially that contortionist lady who shoots arrows with her feet. She's coming from Australia as well. Australia. I think I've seen her on TikTok. Yeah. It's incredible how well she can shoot a bow. Like, I can't shoot a bow, and she can just do it with (laughs) her feet like that. Man, we were talking about this earlier, how Sarah Jones is so good at TikTok, and Sam Benison's also very good at TikTok. And I am just absolutely terrified of it, you guys. Like, I don't know if I can do it. Like, I'm so afraid to put my stuff on to the internet, period. For what reason? Comments, man. Oh. <laughs> like, people saying negative things about, like, what I have to say or my appearance or just making assumptions about me. Like, I just, I don't know if I can do it. It's really scary to me. As a trans person who's chronically online, you get used to it. But if you don't want to go through it, you don't really have to. What do you mean? Like, don't have to put my stuff up or don't have to let You don't comments? have to put your stuff up. Yeah. And you can also filter out those comments if you did very good keyword um, deletion. You know what my keywords are on Instagram? Pig, cow, uh, whale. Those are all things that I had to block from my comment section. You can do that? Yes, I had, but I had to do that. I have a, I have an Instagram for my roller skating and sometimes my videos have gone not viral, but like I had one video get like 20,000 views on Instagram, which is a big deal because Instagram doesn't have videos like that unless that's viral for Instagram. Yeah. And it was awful. Like the comment section was vitriolic, a lot of beautiful support, but as a human being, my brain is going to focus on the negative and seeing a lot of comments that were like, look at this roller skating pig. It made me feel bad about myself. And I just, I don't know. It's like, is it worth it? Not really. No. Like I want to be a comedian. I want to take this wherever it goes. I want to like, you know, have fun and make art and do my thing. But 
is social media a necessity if I want to go to other places? I think it is. And so how do I like get past that? Well, I do know that some comedy clubs in the States, they base, they base it off of your number of Twitter followers. Mm-hmm. It's probably changed to Instagram or TikTok or whatever, but it used to be Twitter followers. Um, yeah, that's a, that's a tough one. Yeah. I don't know. You, as a trans person who's chronically online, you said I, you get used to it, but yeah, I, you get used to it, but also I don't truly think you need social media to become a comedian, especially because in Canada we have so many comedy competitions that you can mm. win that help you get other shows. Like one of my friends recently, um, Eden Kaminsky, th- she's down in uh, Vancouver, great comedian, and she won a comedy show, which helped her get so many more comedy shows, and she has barely any online presence. She has a couple TikToks, mm-hmm. but that's about it because she's focusing on the fact that she can network with other comedians and that she can win these shows just on her jokes alone. I think that's really great. And I've been thinking about this. That is one thing. Like, you guys set up a competition for us. And, like, that was my entry into the comedy scene. And I feel like I'm now I'm, like, building on it by getting this open mic hosting gig. Um, But I would really like to, like, yeah, go down to Vancouver or somewhere else and, and do some comedy competitions. It'd be fun just to even, like, get out there, meet more comedians. Tell more jokes. Get more stage time. Yeah, I mean, stage time is where it's at. I, some people are like, how do you get up there? I tell jokes about this, but, like, I don't know. Wh- what gave you guys, like, the the cojones to go on stage the first time? <laughs> you don't know my story? Uh, no, your story was up at the university, you said? Yeah, I yeah. was forced into it. You're forced into it. Yeah. And what I made no you choice. fall in love with it after that? Um, it felt like I found what I was supposed to be doing. Nice. Because um, I've... I've I've got very little uh, actual job experience. Mm. I have no practical skills. <laughs> I mean, you look at my my resume, you're like, that's it? Oh, yeah. But, I yeah, I, I'm not qualified to do anything else. I've tried to do other things. Yeah. Um, and I don't know if it's... I I fail at these jobs because I I know I can always fall back to comedy or, you know, or I just don't have what it takes to do those jobs you know it's a, probably a little bit of both like self-sabotage but also not wanting to do it anyways what other you, jobs have you done like mail stripping or um escorting worked or? at a bank okay all right banking not not yeah. on the list of things i thought <laughs> bike mechanic could bike have mechanic. been a whole devon situation with all the other stuff yeah elephant trainer no no kangaroo uh, trainer uh, i used to work at a 24-hour porno store that was great. 25-hour porno 24 hour. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I heard. They had an I, extra hour just so people can get in on time. You know, I worked at... For uh, late returns. Uh, the one downtown here. It's like the... Dr. Love. Head shop plus sex shop 
moment and um, worst three weeks of my life, you guys. I had so many customers ask me so many inappropriate things that I had to just be like, it's not about me, honey. It's about you today. And I had one man show me pictures of him and his wife. And I was like, I have to go wash my eyes with Lysol Mm -hmm. now. And then I had like a, a guy come in with a bag of illicit substances and be like, pull it out right in front of me and hold it up. I was working six to 10 by myself at night. And this guy like pulls out this bag of drugs and is like, can I get some baggies for this? And I was like, I need you to leave. (laughs) I need to call the police now. Like I, I was 21 just trying to find a job that would like fit into my university life. Um, or I was like, yeah, I was like 23 and I was trying to find a job that fit into that time. And it was the worst job I've ever done. I would never (laughs) maybe at a store that was just a sex shop that was open reasonable hours and not until 10 o'clock at night, I would probably do that. But like the amount of intoxicated people that came in at like seven o'clock, I used to work the midnight shift, the graveyard shift. Yeah. From 10 till six. But there was some law in Vancouver because there was a young man who actually was killed working at a gas station because he someone tried to steal a gas. I don't know where it was. Wasn't that in Spasm, I think? I think it was in Metro Vancouver. Oh, really? He, he tried to go after them and he was... Uh, it was his demise, actually, because... Yeah, it was really unfortunate. Yeah. He got like caught on the vehicle and dragged. Something like that, yeah. yeah. And he was the only one working on that shift. It was a, it was a graveyard shift. And because of him, because of that incident. No graveyards are allowed to be worked alone. Right. And so I had a coworker, a female coworker who I eventually shacked up with. And Classic. <laughs> we had a lot of fun. So, <laughs> <laughs> And no, we did not have sex at the shop. People ask us all the time. <laughs> I, I probably wouldn't want to, to be no. honest. Knowing what I know about just retail in general. But no, it, it was one of the, the best jobs I had. Yeah. Um, so you qualify for two things, being a comedian and sex shop working. Yeah, but there's no more sex shops because <laughs> you can get all your porn online. Oh, it was just porn. No, we sold toys, uh, lingerie, clothing. Okay. Um, lube, a lot of poppers <laughs> <laughs> and DVDs. Yeah. So, yeah. And remember the days of DVDs? <laughs> Remember the days of PS2? I'm still a little young for that. Just <laughs> <laughs> I'm only 21. I didn't really have those things. I've gotten into it as I was got like, older. As PlayStation 2? Yeah. Yeah? Yeah, my first console was a PlayStation 3, and then I started collecting PlayStation 2 games. I'm sorry. Wait a second. I don't think I fully digested. You're 21. Yes. <laughs> That's insane. <laughs> That's insane. I feel like, okay, there's something about, I'm 32, so like, I'm not that old. I don't think of myself as old. Oh, I thought, for some reason, I thought you were like 19. I People who, either think it I'm... It was Charlie, right? I He's thought you were Charlie like was not allowed mid-20s. to come into the club. People either think I'm 18, 19, or 29. That's I crazy. I got that range. <laughs> But, okay, there's something about, like, the split between people who were born in the 2000s and people who were born in the 90s and even, like, the later 90s where, like, I remember 
downloading music and I remember having Lime a Walkman <laughs> and I re- like I had a tape Walkman and a CD Walkman. I've had both of them. I remember Columbia House where you ordered um, all your CDs for a penny. It was like, well, it was like 20 bucks a month and you got 12 CDs. It was awesome. Oh, like, the initial one though is well, yeah, yeah, but then you pay like a little bit more every month. It was so amazing. I remember like watching Harriet the Spy on Family Channel and then wandering around with like a little Do notebook. Do you remember Sue Johansson? Yeah, I remember Sue Johansson. <laughs> Rest in peace to the all-time greatest. I remember Showcase. I remember watching Trailer Park Boys on TV. Like there's so many things that that you guys didn't have because of the internet. The internet just like took all of these cultural touchstones away from you. I feel like like you were robbed. I feel like we have different cultural touchstones, though. I mean, yeah, I have all of those too because you know. I mean, I don't. I think that's with anyone. You don't have the same cultural touchstones as Brian does. I don't know. I feel like we have a lot in common (laughs) because we remember the analog days, the days before social media, like like running around with your friends and you didn't have a cell phone (laughs) to like. You know, I would be in the woods. I was chased down by a moose when I was eight years old because I was making forts in Ginters. This is before it was like really developed. And I got, yeah, I would, I would literally, I have this book. It was called On the Other Side of the Mountain. It was about this kid who went to a mountain and like survived. And so I would go up there and try to, they had diagrams of the creations that he made. And I would recreate these things. I made water filtration systems. I was an outdoorsy kid. And uh, I got chased down by a moose once because i like got up from a nap in my fort and i didn't have a cell phone my mom i would have died and my mom would not know know where you were (laughs) like i think it's just it was a different life back then yeah but also i feel like you just have a weird perception because you haven't had my experiences that's true i grew up in the woods i was in fort st james living on crown land amazing which means that i had a hundred kilometers that way and i got chased down by bears and stuff and like you didn't have I also had the internet. So like when I got home, I could play webkins. So I <laughs> just still did have those two different yeah. areas, but oftentimes people will just be like, "Oh, kids these days only do one thing, but now mm. we just have more options to do so many more different things." Yeah, I guess maybe like the kids I see around these days they're really into their iPads and their Minecrafts and I don't see them playing outside i saw some kids playing road hockey oh that blew my mind that touches my heart i live in the hood i I see kids playing outside all the time actually they're like everywhere what do they play road hockey road basketball and just general uh tomfoolery (laughs) i would say (laughs) uh rough housing uh a lot of uh, ripping off my the like you know the water thing that comes down off your gutters, <laughs> just ripping that off and crunching it up. Like these are these are hood kids, you know. They're just whatever they find is a toy, and I love that for them. I was shopping at Costco with my daughter, and we had to get a cart. And I told her, you know what we used to do for fun as kids? We used to take shopping carts and we would smash them into each other like we were in, like a demolition derby. Did you guys ever? We do did that, that for fun. As no, kids, like, we didn't want to destroy other people's property. No, it wasn't you about the destroying destroy property. Them. Did you ever do things that were intentionally going to harm each other for rock fun? Rock fights? We used to have rock, rock fights. fights. Rock fights are fun. <laughs> like really hard ice ball fights. Like we would yeah. like leave them out over Red Rover. Fred Rover and literally just like, um, just what is it, clothesline yeah. someone so hard. <laughs> we used to... Uh, and you're not allowed to put your arms up. Oh my God. We used to teepee our neighbor's teepee. 
<laughs> that is the most rest thing I've ever heard. I love that for you. I wrote a joke like that. I wrote that joke exactly. Yeah. And then a couple of years later, it showed up as a cartoon. No way. Yeah. And I was like, was that a joke that was too easy to write? And or I, I think it is a pretty easy joke to write. It's funny, though. Yeah. I feel like that's a bit of parallel thinking. Okay, that's what it means. You've probably got another joke stolen from you, but that one's definitely parallel thinking. Well, I, I mean, I was even reading, like, I think about, like, concepts that are so universal or, like, not so universal, but they're, like, niche concepts that certain people are going to have as well as you, right? And, like, it can come down to that, like, you know, if your lane is indigenous humor, teepee on a teepee, that's funny. Like, that's going to happen. Or I was even reading a book about polyamory where the introduction is from two people who wrote another book about polyamory saying, we thought about writing this book, but this girl did it and she did it better than we could. So here's our introduction saying this is a good book that we thought about writing. So I feel like it's like every type of, uh, you know, art form or whatever. If you have something that's like, that's what like Cody said to me, Cody Malbouf said to me about my joke of the story that I told about the park and the shoveling and everything else in between. That's my story. No one else can tell that joke because no one can tell that story. So I think like there's something to be said about like a good joke. That's funny. Like Sarah's joke about being indigenous. A lot of people could write that joke, but it's funnier because it's her story, Mm. you know, and, and it's more personal. So I think that's where like, we come back to like what is really the best material you can pull from is like your personal experience. Like even me generalizing my experience as a millennial child. Well, it's pretty transferable to your experience as a Gen Z kid. So there's only five jokes about trans people. That's why (laughs) I need to get into stories because I've told them all. (laughs) I think that joke, the acronym joke is so funny. Every time you tell it, I'm like looking around the room. I'm like, you guys are going to love this. This is so funny. (laughs) Yeah. And I saw, I saw someone on Tumblr do a very similar, a joke recently a different acronym but it's a tumblr yes on tumblr tumblr. tumblr's back (laughs) is it well twitter's gone what else are you gonna use i should reactivate my account (laughs) but i saw saw someone on tumblr post a very similar joke to that and it's just because yeah eventually someone else is going to come up with that idea it's just a different acronym yeah yeah i think your acronym's pretty good though like that one a lot I mean, some of the jokes that I tell about, uh, you know, wishing I was gay, those jokes, um, like a lot of women could tell those jokes, right? But the way that I make them myself is by telling stories, right? Like that's how I turned those jokes into my jokes Mm -hmm. and like brought in my experience. And that was what makes them, I think, funnier uh, than if they were just me talking about how I wish I was gay. Have you ever tried to write a joke out of thin air based on like if someone were to give you a topic? Yes. It's, it's hard, right? Really hard. <laughs> yeah. Like like the book that I was reading, the comedy Bible, it says write a joke. Author? A pen a, uh Judy Carter. A pen <laughs> is like sex because and I could not write a joke. I couldn't. It's literally an impossible prompt for me. I tried so hard and it just didn't work. But then I was just thinking about, okay, well, what else could I compare to sex? And I came up with some funnier stuff. She was, it was an exercise 
for you to come up with analogies? Yeah, it's just okay. an exercise. Like she does a lot of like, and then there's the turns, the rule of three. Like there's all these different types of jokes that you can tell. I haven't, yeah. I haven't actually read through the whole thing. I got pick to up, like the rule of three. Zen and the art of motor, Zen and the art of stand up comedy. That's Zen much, and the art of stand up comedy. Yeah, it's yeah. a much better book. Well, you haven't read this one, so you don't know. No, I have. Oh, you have? Okay, it, well, this is the it's, new it's, comedy book. It's, it's, <laughs> it's panned as one of the worst comedy books ever. Well, I've been enjoying it, and you have laughed at some of the jokes that I've written because of it, uh-huh. so I got you. I don't know. You I think start you could call it an introductory book. Right. It's like how with magic books, every single beginner's magic book has the exact same tricks. Yeah. It's not about learning those tricks. It's about learning the theory behind those. Yeah, the foundation. Yeah, you need Getting that foundation before you. you start going into advanced stuff. I would actually say that be in that book, one of the biggest things that she talks about is just writing. And she just has like a method of organizing some of your thoughts and your jokes. It's been a while since I've re- read that. Book, I, so. I would say like those things have helped me. Have I applied all of them? No, because I am disorganized ADHD woman. But... Um, I have used like turns and the rule of three, like those just concepts were really foundational for me. And have you some ever heard of my, my new jokes? Uh, McDonald's joke, having sex with my, uh, yes, ex-girlfriend. Yeah, 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 that started greasy. out as a rule of three joke. Yeah, it's funny. It started out as a rule of three, and then I just kept going. Mm-hmm. Well, that's added the thing all is, those other ones on top of it. That's the thing is, it's like you have to do two things that are like, aha, uh-huh, yep, that's, and then, and the, then third the third one, one is funny, that left turn. and then it's like you bring in more and more of those funny things and you can just keep an audience rolling and also repetition and acting out were two of the big things that I learned. So I have this really good joke that the, the punchline is, um, is a burlesque name. I'm not going to burn the joke on the show, but, uh, the funny part that I get to do is I get to go, Oh, you <laughs> into the microphone and one of the things that I read in that book was like, if something is funny, you can repeat it. And like, if it's just like one word, oh, like a callback, it's it well, a, a repeat it or like a callback. So I've done callbacks, but this is like, I go, oh, you, and then the audience laughs and then I just wait and then I do it again. <laughs> that's a and clown specific. That's that's specifically in clowning. Yeah, that that technique is used a lot because clowning has a lot of improv in it. So mm-hmm. to pick apart what the audience likes is using that repetition. So like, you do something funny like fall on your face, you stand up because you got a big laugh, you do it again. Yeah, very similar method. That's interesting. Clowning has a lot of good things to learn. It looks like no. Uh, if you're ever wanting to get into clowning, look up Avner the Eccentric. He has like 10 rules to clown and they're all very good things to add to any comedy set. Because if there's one thing about me, it's that I'm down to clown. <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, sorry, that was super cheesy, but I am. Do you guys know about Deadfall Brewing Company? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Have you been? No. I, I went once to do some uh, game playing uh, and I won. It's a very, it's a very intimate venue. Yeah, it's interesting that they're having shows there because there was like 20 seats in the whole place, it seemed to me like. And they had kind of like a very odd array of seating. And it's just a big room of... It's a big room? Well, no, it's a big room of the brewery. 
and then all a tiny seating area. So it okay. seems like maybe if they're having shows, they might extend the seating area. I don't know. They even have like a dog pen. Well, so Nancy O's is a pretty small space. Yeah, but Nancy O's is all venue, and then the kitchen separated. This is like it's like the brewery, and then you're just kind of in it. I don't know, but because but I, I know Improv Mimprov has had shows there. Yeah, I was thinking they were, and they were. Deadfall was saying that they're interested in having more shows, and I think it would be fun if we did a show. I wouldn't. I wouldn't do a show, but I would like to do an open mic. Oh, an open mic would be fine. A comedy open mic. What are yes. your guys' thoughts on Nelly's Pub? I think Nelly's Pub is awesome. Is it just too far away? I don't think it's too um, far away. I don't at like all. the the dance floor in front of the stage. Oh, okay, they can fill it with chairs and tables. Right, they have done that. I was just going to say we've had a comedy contest there. Where we we sold a number of tickets because I don't know if you know this, but com, uh, contests bring out new people and new people bring out new friends, people mm. to the show. And so we had to put chairs and tables on the dance floor, which was great. But other nights we didn't. And I've performed in places where there have been dance floors, and your jokes go out onto the dance floor and they die. So yeah, they die. Just bang the table die 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 on the yeah. dance floor sounds like an emo song <laughs> so Nelly's yeah if you can sell enough tickets to put tables and chairs yes same with four which is the curling rink restaurant bar okay oh yeah. four bistro yeah yeah I actually we so I'm um, also in roller derby I'm a referee for a rated PG roller derby ooh. and um <laughs> ooh, um <laughs> We practice for the summer. We were practicing on one of the curling rinks where they just took off the ice and it's uh, this like northern ice community thing. But the people from four. What about the giant chunks of wood in the middle? Uh, no, they take those out too. Okay. Huh, yeah. I didn't know those could be removed. But the people who are in four can just watch our practice. And so it's it's so odd like to be doing a sport but practicing that sport and to have this like random spectator group of like children and drunk moms and <laughs> drunk grandpas. And it's just interesting. I don't know. I've never, I've never done my sport in front of spectators without it being like a game. Does that make sense? Yeah. Cause then you're like expecting it, but it's like, Oh, I'm here in my like crappy workout clothes. Do you remember Alfredo's pub? I remember Alfredo's Pub. I went in there once, um, but I went into the liquor store a many times, <laughs> a many times. Well, on Tuesday nights, the university used to have spoken word night. And I would go there and be the only comedian. And then I told the other comedians about it. And then we took it over. <laughs> nice. And there Wait, was, was it like slam poetry before that? Mostly just poetry. Okay. Um, Alex actually... Alex McKenzie started at Alfredo's Pub. Cool. There was no audience. There was comedians, the staff, and a few regulars that were not really paying attention. But then afterwards, they'd, they'd come up to you and, hey, that was really funny. Like, nice. Here's a photo of the stage, <laughs> if you call it it's, that. It's like... Um, it was just a microphone stand. A microphone stand on the bar floor. I don't even think we floor. had a stool. No on, lights. Just on no the bar lights, floor, no lights. Nothing. And that's where Alex got his start. And it was the, f- the Ask John White. It was one of the best times. Uh, it was who the else best was there? times. It Montessi was the Longo time. got his start 
the same night Alex McKenzie did. Um, but it was our little clubhouse. Mm-hmm. There was no audience. We never advertised and said, hey, come out to this open mic. It was just us. Dick, I was going to swear. It was just us dicking around. That's awesome. And uh, some nights we were like, eh, let's not do jokes. Let's do some karaoke and you know whatever. But it was like if you want to try something out, if you want to hear yourself say something out loud and get feedback from other comedians, that's, that's what that was for. You know, that was what I, I went to Victoria and I did a comedy open mic. Do you have tape at, of it? I do. And I've been <laughs> uploading things to my drive. But of course I did. Anyways, I'll get talk to you about that later. But uh, I went and did a comedy open mic there as well. And it was like that. It was like maybe five people and just all comedians. And of course, I didn't know anyone. So I brought like my table of work colleagues who wanted to come and see me do comedy, which was really fun. But then I didn't like the guy was just passing the sheet around. So I ended up being the last person out of 15 comedians. And the guy introduces me and he goes, so it's uh, it's our last comedian. Your headliner for the evening came all the way down from Prince George. Even here, Shannon Street. And I the amount of pressure that that moment like put on me was so funny. And then immediately the tension was broken by this drunk girl going, Oh my God, I saw her in the bathroom. She's so cute. (laughs) (laughs) And then I didn't make a joke about drunk girls in the bathroom, but it is for sure going to happen. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm going to start like putting people in the audience to like yell fake drunk things at me (laughs) to make that moment happen. Yeah. So that's why I brought up deadfall. Yeah. Even though it's a, a large room, the seating area is very small. Just how many comedians are there? What could be just us. eight of us? I mean, there's like 15 around town, yeah. maybe 20. And then you know? maybe some people want to go on stage, but they are scared of going on in front of people. Yeah, we're not people, just we're comedians. Do, just yeah, do that, just do that. We're not ball. human, we're okay. uh, we're different. So, this has been uh, the comedian stable here on 93.1 CFIS FM. I'm your host, Brian Major. And tonight my guests were Shannon Street, Sam Benison. Thank you for listening. Listen on Spotify.